to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Wednesday, July 20, 2022. Some relatives of detainees are calling on the South Sudan government to release their loved ones held at various detention centers across the country. As the family, we are appealed to the to the concerned authority to pull taken the right procedure and he he deserves the lawful trial. And UN stop diplomat in Sudan says the humanitarian situation in Blue Nile State is there. Traditional mechanisms for resolving disputes used to be effective in the past among different ethnic groups in Sudan. But over the past decades, the politicians have been influencing the traditional leaders and have dragged them into the political sphere. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The United Nations Humanitarian Coordinator in Sudan has expressed concern over the killing and displacement of civilians during the ongoing intercommunal violence in parts of Sudan's Blue Nile state. The UN top diplomat says humanitarian aid agencies are offering support to the affected families who fled the violence. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. In a statement released today, the UN Humanitarian Coordinator in Sudan, Khardiata Londiae, said about 14,000 people had been displaced from a Rosaris locality in Blue Nile following the deadly violence that began in Ghanistown and other parts of Rosaris five days ago. We are deeply concerned. Lives have been lost. Thousands of people had to flee and seek safety and shelter, and lives of many others have been disrupted said Londiae. She also called on all parties to stop the violence, talk to each other, and seek mutually acceptable solutions. The statement says there are reports of an additional 1,000 people displaced in Rosaris and another 500 outside Al-Damazin town, and that the total number of displaced is likely to increase as information from other areas of the state comes in. Londiae says the UN aid agencies are providing assistance to thousands of vulnerable people in parts of the Blue Nile state and stands ready to support the people affected by the latest violence with emergency health kits, medicines and other supplies. Londaya says the clashes are occurring at a time when humanitarian needs in Sudan are already at an all-time high, noting more than 14 million people require some form of life-saving assistance. Ashraf Atham, a political and social science lecturer at Sudan's Nilen University, accuses traditional leaders of neglecting traditional customs and reconciliation mechanisms for resolving dispute because they are siding with politicians and looking out for their own personal interests. Traditional mechanisms for resolving disputes used to be effective in the past among different ethnic groups in Sudan. But over the past decades, the politicians have been influencing the traditional leaders and have dragged them into the political sphere. Therefore, traditional reconciliation mechanisms have lost their meaning. Professor Adham says Sudanese leaders lack the ability to provide protection and security to civilians. He also says the spread of firearms has aggravated the situation and contributes to the never-ending cycle of violence among certain Sudanese communities. 
Sudanese politicians need to reach consensus in order to manage and administer this multicultural country. The government needs to prove its ability to control the country by providing security to all citizens in this country. Intercommunal clashes erupted between Hausa and Berti tribes in Blue Nile State on Friday over an alleged killing of two farmers from the Hausa tribe. The violence quickly took an ethnic dimension. Sudanese authorities dispatched additional troops to the area earlier this week to de-escalate tensions between the two rival tribes. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. An activist in Lake State is calling for the release of six teachers under military detention in Rumbek. The chairperson of the Lake State Civil Society Network says authorities in Lake State capital Rumbek should either release the teachers or arraign them in a court of law. The teachers laid down their tools two months ago to protest salary delays. For VOA News, William Sande Mabor reports from Rumbek. Lake State Education Minister Nelson McCoy ordered the arrest of dozens of teachers last month after they allegedly mobilized their colleagues to stage a sit-down strike over not being paid more under the new salary structure announced by the Labor Department in 2021. Six teachers remain in the detention. Hakim Shipunyush Awur, the chairpersons of the Lake State Civil Society Network, says the authorities should either release the teachers or arraign them in the court of law. Awur tells South Sudan in focus the condition of the six teachers is worsening, saying the teachers are sick and malnourished. These teachers are suffering now. Their health condition is not suffering. And also their families, as our economic hardship is known, they are not accessing the services that their husbands were actually supporting them. Rather than getting even the salary that the teachers were looking for. The salary that they were even talking about up to now, we heard from the teachers themselves that they are paid 50%, but it's supposed to be 100%, those who, who receive the salary. But the remaining six in detention, they did not receive their salary. The teachers are being held hostage while their families are starving, according to Awur. He is calling on Lake State Governor General Rintwain Mabur to intervene. If they are considered to be guilt, according to, to the statement from the minister, they are criminals. Why not they are taken to the police like that or attorney general to open a case against them and leave them in the police where they could be accessed by their parents? And, but this one was not happening. Awur says family members and civil society activists have been denied access to the detainees. A relative of one of the detained teachers who spoke to South Sudan in focus on the condition of anonymity for fear of being repressals from the state officials urged authorities to release his loved one. They are now going one month. They are not sent to the court. So we are requesting the parent to ask the government to look into the issue of these teachers. So if they are guilty, they have to be sent to the court. So that for conviction and to know as uh, the parent, relative of these people, to exactly concern what is happening. Another relative of a detained teacher who also prefer to remain anonymous 
for safety reasons is asking Makoi to order the release of their loved ones so that they can earn a living and take care of their families. We can talk to them so that they have to leave those money because this money is not there. It is belong to the, to the teachers and teachers are now the people concerned. It is not an individual case. They are just representing the boys of the teachers. And of course the money is given. The money is given as it is needed. Uh, what next? What, uh, what allowed them again to be in the, in the military barrack? Uh, if there is another thing behind it, then let them go to the court. Several state residents and families of the detained have commented on the teachers on the social media and repeatedly call on authorities to either release them or charge the teachers in the court of law. Residents and activists have also appealed to Governor Trench to intervene on behalf of the teachers without success. For VOA News, I am William Sandemabu reporting in Rumbek Lake State. Some families and community leaders in Abiyay administrative area and Warab state are calling on authorities in South Sudan to either release or try their relatives arrested two months ago for allegedly fueling the conflict between the Dinkangok of Abiyay and the Twitch community of Warab state. Dengai Deng has more for VOA from Bor. The detained people include four government officials, Manyot Kunit Mayen, the infrastructure minister in the Abia Special Administrative Area, Chol Por Chol, the Rumamir County Commissioner, Akwe Akon, the Alal County Commissioner, and Deng Tongoch, the Twitch County Commissioner of Warab State. The Twitch County resident Dominic Deng Deng says his cousin, Commissioner Deng Tongoch, has been detained for several months without trial. Deng says he wants his cousin released immediately without condition or be charged with an offense in court. We are asking the government of the follow of Sudan to pull into the case the issue of honorable commitment. Let to uh, detain as any individual over the preach and in a complex. And uh, then as the family, we are appeal to the to the consent authority to pull taken the right procedure and she he deserves the lawful trial and she be a free from the close the detention where we are not monitoring his health condition we are war for his personal health and the suffering of his own children at home. Abia resident Bar Miyuen says several of his relatives are also being detained in Juba in connection with the Abia Twitch conflict. Miyuen says long detention without trial violates South Sudanese law. He too is urging authorities to either release those in detention or charge the individuals in court. Every citizen who is arrested and put in prison or put in, in detention he or she does not know why they are arrested. When to go to court is against human rights. Every person who has been arrested in all this process is supposed to be taken to court. It is court to decide if you are found guilty when you become a criminal and be sentenced and if you are found not guilty of anything, then you are supposed to be set free. 
Bulabeg Denkwal, Paramount Chief of the Ngok Dinka in Abiei Special Administrative Area, is also calling for the release of Abiei government officials and SSPDF officers who were detained for allegedly fueling the Twitch Ngok conflict. Kwal is urging the Kira administration to expedite the trials of officials or release them. He says if they don't, their detainment could fuel more violence. These people who were arrested, and we don't know why they were arrested, okay? We say if they are arrested, then they should be arraigned in a court so that the court can determine their pet. Or they are set free. We well, We feel that the committee which was formed by the president after they were submitted their report, we hope that the president could take the next step. But we are seeing nothing. Dozens of people were killed and scores of others were injured five months ago when suspected armed militia from Twitch County of Warav State attacked their net market in Abia. Warav State officials said some community members in Twit County believe part or all of Aned belongs to them. The violence prompted President Salvakir to form an 11-member panel headed by the Vice President for Service Cluster Hussein Abdulbagi to investigate the root causes of the conflict between the Ngok Dinka and the people of Twit County. In May, the United Nations Interim Security Force for ABA or UNISPA said it was concerned about a surge in criminal activity in the area. UNISPA said despite efforts to maintain peace in the region, criminal elements continue to commit acts of violence. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. Listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, some African leaders are meeting in the Rwandan capital, Kigali. Find out why after the break. physical appearance i'm most like my dad i do not really look like my mom she talks a lot but i also don't like talking i look very much like my dad and i speak like him too but as for my mother i don't resemble her at all but i love her anyway i'm like my dad when it comes to giving orders, like leading and then when it comes to my mom i'm like her when it comes to cooking because she has good cooking skills Mm, yeah, like my character. People say I'm like my parents when it comes to character. Like the way I behave, the way I socialize, it's just like the way my parents do. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. The African Union Committee on Infrastructure and Energy says it does not support cutting down on energy use to fight climate change. It says, despite feeling the negative effects, Africa remains the last polluting continent with less than 4% of gas emissions. For VOA News, Elias Limonia has the story. 
The United Nations Climate Change Secretariat says Africa needs to implement urgent measures to reverse the looming effects of climate change, which are threatening food security, human health and development. In a report devoted exclusively to the continent, UN Framework Convention Climate Change Deputy Secretary Ovey Samad said Africa policymakers need accurate data and improve technology to create plans to adapt to the problem. The call to reduce energy use is backed by a recently released report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Working Group on Africa's Vulnerability to Climate Change. It notes that urgent action is needed to avoid mounting loss of life, biodiversity and infrastructure. Dr. Abu Zaid Amani is the African Union Committee Commissioner on Infrastructure and Energy. She says the continent should not have to reduce energy use at a time of food security caused by the war between Russia and Ukraine. Now there is also the climate issues and you know that uh, for the climate issues there were uh, some voices, uh, mostly non-African voices to limit or to ban the use of uh, natural gas in Africa or oil in Africa, which is unfair because we have a serious deficit in energy poverty on the continent. More than half of our people do not have access to energy and also um, 90% of our people do not have access to clean protein. And also the emissions on the continent do not exceed 3%. So uh, the problem is not really in Africa, despite the fact that uh, we are uh, very badly hit uh, by uh, climate uh, disaster. So what we did together with the International Energy uh, Agency, we proved that even if Africa uses all the available energy resources, our emissions are not going to exceed 3.5% of the global emissions. Hence, to meaningfully address the climate issues, the world has to also ensure that they do their share and that Africa, as I said, is not really the problem. VOA caught up with University of Zambia lecturer of Economy and Developmental Studies, Dr. Lubinda Habazoga. He contends that the cost to reduce energy comes as the continent is trying to create jobs and he blames worldwide pollution on the developed economies. If there's a continent that is not emitting anything, it's Africa. The way you're going to say who pollutes more is just to look at the satellite at night. There's hardly any light above Africa. When you look at Europe, it's all it. When you look at the USA, it's all it. Those are the major producers of pollution in the world. So to come to Africa to tell us to start reducing emissions is more like telling us not to create jobs for our youth. The World Resources Institute puts Africa's emissions of carbon dioxide per capita at 0.10% metric tons per person compared with the global figure of 3.9 tons per person. For many development experts, it's not clear if Africa will reduce its use of energy as the war between Russia and Ukraine and the COVID pandemic slow economic growth, raise prices and threaten to erode living standards. For VOA Africa, I'm Elias Limonia. Malawi is registering an increase in new cases of leprosy after the country effectively eliminated the disease nearly 30 years ago. Statistics from the Ministry of Health show that about 
500 cases have been reported since January. Health authorities say the number could likely be much higher because health facilities in some districts are not able to diagnose the illness. Lamek Masina reports for Viewway from Blantyre. Statistics from the Ministry of Health show that 10 of the country's 28 districts have recorded cases of leprosy. For example, Salima District recorded 37 cases between May 2021 and June 2022, and a quarter of those infected developed deformed limbs, the most common side effects of the disease. Health authorities believe that many more districts could be affected as some public hospitals are not able to diagnose leprosy. Dr. James Mpunga is the manager for National Tuberculosis and Leprosy Elimination Program in Malawi. So what we've seen now is that uh, uh, we are seeing most of these cases coming passively. But when we do active case finding, when we go out to screen people in the community, we are actually finding uh, a bigger number of leprosy cases. In 1994, the World Health Organization declared that Malawi had eliminated almost all cases of leprosy with less than one case per 10,000 people. Mpunga says the increase in caseloads is largely because of the government's withdrawal of support towards the disease management after the WHO's findings. Since 1994, the uh, funding for report has not been uh, to the market that we want. Uh, so as the ministry, we're also going out to our partners to make sure that they give us enough resources to fight the leprosy cases. Health rights campaigners say the resurfacing of the disease should push the government to go back to the drawing board and resume funding for the disease. George Jobe is executive director for the Malawi Health Equity Network. Our appeal is that uh, the assistance should come now before the situation becomes worse. As it was in the past that people would be put in camps and people would lose their limbs and others lose their lives. It is better to invest more resources before people uh, die. However, Mpunga says people should not panic as the country's caseload is still within the bounds of the WHO's status for eliminating reprocessing. The medicines are available and we should thank the WHO because they have been giving us medicines free of charge and uh, we have enough stocks for the next uh, three or four years. In the meantime, the Minister of Health is educating the public on the need to report to hospitals whenever they come across a case of leprosy in their communities or symptoms are detected. They can include numbness in the hands, feet, arms and legs and can also affect the skin, eyes and lining of the nose. Leprosy is spread by a slow-growing bacteria and can be spread by coughing or sneezing. The return of leprosy comes at the same time Malawi has also reported a polio case almost 30 years after its last case was recorded. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. More than 200 African leaders, wildlife, wildlife conservationists and experts are gathering in Rwanda for the first ever Congress on Protected Areas of the Continent. Discussions are focusing on stimulating investment that conserve biodiversity and help develop a green economy for Africa. Eugene Uyumana reports from Kigali. Participants of the first ever Africa Protected Areas Congress say one of the ways to conserve biodiversity is for governments to approve the establishment 
of a proposed $200 billion Pan-African Conservation Trust Fund. Kadu Sebunya is the Chief Executive Officer and the President of the African Wildlife Foundation. Africa still holds 30% of the world's biodiversity. And this means we are more advantaged than we may think. And this conference this week provides the perfect opportunity to reset and remodel our aspirations over modern Africa with a good representation of wildlife and wildlands. Protected areas offers us the anchor points for our future. The Africa Protected Areas Congress was organized in a partnership with the International Union for Conservation of Nature and the African Wildlife Foundation. Discussions are focusing on stimulating investment in biodiversity conservation and the development of a green economy for Africa. Rwanda, which is hosting the Congress, says preserving biodiversity is paying back. The country's Prime Minister, Edward Nguyen, says as a landlocked country with limited natural resources, tourism is greatly contributing to development. We are driven by the fact that conservation of biodiversity and sustaining our economy, our ecosystem, are key enablers in our promotion, in promoting green and sustainable development. From our different green initiatives, Rwanda has now achieved its target of more than 30% of national forest cover. Many conservation initiatives on the continent are funded by foreigners. Participants of the Africa Protected Areas Congress are urging African governments to promote locally mobilized funds. The meeting started on Monday and will end on Saturday. Ejen Uimana for VOA News, Kigali, Rwanda. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Modul. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. We now leave you with the song Habib Gelbi by John Kuduse.
and the song Habib Gelbi. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Join us again tomorrow evening for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.